Rightio, so we've been talking about what? The apostolic church, about the fact that we have been sent. What was that? The good news. That was last week. Courtney, go to the top of the class. You're um, smarter than you look. No, you, you look really smart. Yeah, yeah, she wears glasses. That means you're smart, I'm sure of it. David Novotny told me that. Anyway, um, so we've been looking at the apostolic church. What is an apostolic church? It is a church of believers that understand that they have been sent by God to represent him into all the world. We at Ignite are a faith-based community and that we are on the journey of understanding even more that we are sent and that God wants us to even more represent him in this crazy time that we live in. We've looked at a number of things in regards to being that apostolic church. Let's read in the scripture where we base it out of. Matthew chapter 28 Verse 20 says, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. uh, Verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. 15. Uh, Same context, same time frame. Jesus was about to go up to be with the Father. He'd spent uh, all that time with his disciples, had been crucified but rose from the dead. And then he says this to them in verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that's where we get the basis of going. We are sent by God to represent him. We are meant to be part of a faith community that together uh, we can be stronger and together we can have a greater impact of being sent uh, into the world. We've looked at the fact that when we are sent, we go with authority and power, that you have not been abandoned by God and given some uh, unreachable task to do in your human strength, but rather God has given you power from heaven and authority that is in the name of Jesus that we are not uh, trapped by natural resources, that there is something powerful and supernatural about us because we represent a higher authority and a higher power, the kingdom of heaven. We've looked at the fact that we are sent believing that the Bible tells us that by faith nothing is impossible, that we have to go believing that God is with us and that through faith we can accomplish many great things. So, an apostolic church understands that they have been sent with authority and power. An apostolic church understands that they go in faith, believing for God to move and do things and reach people around them. Um, an apostolic church must go at its very core value uh, of love. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John that God is love, that God doesn't pretend love or try to love, God is love. And representing God, we must go with that love. We're not there to condemn the world. We're not there to make the world feel bad. We're not there to fill the world with fear. We are there to fill them um, with love, show them the love of God. And we cannot go into the world representing Him if we don't first display that love to our community that we live in, to uh, the church family. We begin with learning how to love the church family, and then it enables us to take it out into all the world. 
in church life, there will be things that happen where people will annoy you or you will annoy other people. And lots of people carry offense and they leave churches or they do dumb things, but we are not meant to, friends, live in offense. We are meant to live with forgiveness and this higher love of the kingdom of heaven. We can't go into the world and represent love if we don't demonstrate it. That makes us hypocrites. So God's higher love, we are sent carrying love. Last week we looked at, as Courtney said, we are sent carrying the good news, not the bad news, not all the troubles of life, not all your problems. You are sent carrying hope to a world that desperately needs it. We are proclaimers of good news. Good news, not bad news, not how bad everything is. And I again want to encourage you over the, this time of COVID as I have been you know, talking with people, counseling people, encouraging people, that there is a common denominator that is going on uh, as we go through these challenging times about what uh, or how somebody will uh, react to the trouble. And the common denominator or the most important denominator is to feed yourself with good news. You understand? What you feed yourself with will actually uh, come out of your life and it'll be what you think about. If you are watching the news all the time, it's not bad to watch the news, don't get me wrong, but the news is full of bad news. Media is just making people feel bad and anxious. There is a place to find good news and that is in the word of God and in the words of Jesus. And we are proclaimers of it. I just want to encourage you. Don't listen to all the bad news. Feed yourself with the good news. It will give you strength and you will walk through the challenges around you. It's your choice. So an apostolic church is a church that has been sent carrying the good news. Rightio, this morning I would like to look at uh, just the basic understanding of that we are sent into all the world. Let's read the scripture again. The Mark 16, 15, uh, verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to every creature. So when I say to you this morning, or when you read that scripture, your mind will conceive some kind of thought about how you view what all the world means. Uh, to the men that heard that uh, all those um, hundreds of years ago, a couple of thousand years ago, they would have had a picture of what they believed the world looked like to them. They didn't have the uh, age of information that we live in, and so their mindsets would have conjured up a particular thought of what all the world looked like. looks like. You yourself will. Um, it's interesting. Um, um, let's look at what the word world means first. The word world... The word world is from the word cosmos. Cosmos or the cosmos means the universe, the earth, or the earth with all where all mankind dwells. Third, the world system, the godless world. Uh, and, and four, people who are estranged from God. So it's kind of interesting. There are varying degrees of what that word world cosmos can mean. And as I said, 
you will be conjuring up or your mind, your imagination would have formed a particular picture of what that means to you. Interesting for me, um, this week, earlier this week on Monday, I got to go and speak to the Provost Club, the Provost Club in this community, and um, really wasn't know what I was in for, um, uh, went uh, to the place where they meet, and the person who had invited me wasn't there, couldn't go because there was, they weren't feeling too well. So I went to this place where I knew nobody, and I wasn't sure what I was going to uh, uh, encounter, but I did understand one thing, that I was a sent person, that I wasn't going just to, you know, orate or narrate some kind of good thing. I was there going as a sent person to a place that I'd never been to before. And lo and behold, I was correct. There were 70 people who I have never seen before, although they did have masks up to here. But, you know, honestly, I did not recognize one person out of a group of around 70 people that lives in this community that I live in that I had never seen before. And it really opened my mindset up to, hey, here is another group of people that God has sent us to. You see, my picture of the world was increased because I stepped out and met some people I've never seen before. So my view of now understanding when I go to all the world is I include that group of probus people. You get what I mean? Funny for me. Uh, I, I'm an interesting person in some ways, I think. You know, if I go to a town that I've never been before, my mind imagines a church in that town. I can't help it. I don't know what it is about me. I am diseased. I have a problem. Um, I, I, I just do it. You know, because where I go, I kind of envision a sense of what does God want to do there. So I want to ask you the question today. You live in a particular type of existence. You have a particular view of what the world is at the moment. But I believe God wants to take you beyond the picture of what you consider the world is. I believe God has ignited church. God wants us to expand our particular view at the moment of where we are living and what our concept of the world is and take it to a further place. You with me? See, you're sent, remember, into all the world, and we are an apostolic church. <clears throat> I believe God wants to expand the view, the reach, the amount of people that we are making disciples. That experience of me going to the Provost Club was just kind of another aspect of realizing, wow, there's a group of people that we need to reach. Bigger world. Go into all the world. Now I want to kind of go and look at a guy named Abraham. Abraham is an interesting guy because Abraham, the three major world religions, uh, consider Abraham their forefather or the, uh, the father of their faith. So the Jewish religion, the Islamic religion, and Christianity all consider Abraham to be the forefather of their faith, which is an interesting guy. And um, so I think I want to just want to take a little look at Abraham. Now, Abraham lived, uh, he was a, he'd lived in this place called Ur. So when he lived in this place called Ur, he had a particular uh, view, uh, view of what the world was like. 
He'd lived in uh, Ur for about, in the land of the Chaldeans for about maybe 60, 65 years, they say. So for 65 years, Abram lived in a land called Ur, and that was his world. But around the age of 65, something happens to Abraham that changes his world or changes his view of what the world would become. And that came through an encounter with God. You see, God encounters Abraham and he tells Abraham a whole bunch of stuff. But in order for that whole bunch of stuff to happen, Abraham has to leave the place of where his world was and go to another land called the land of Canaan, which became or described as the land of promise. When he got to the land of promise, these uh, things would happen. These amazing things would happen. But he needed to leave his then safe world that he'd lived in for up to 65 years. I'm a young man. I'm not even at that age yet. Well, what's going to happen when I hit 65? I don't know. Who knows? The crazy age that we live in. So he goes, he leaves with his dad, and they go to a land called Haran, which is kind of halfway to the promised land. And they hang out there for about five years. And they kind of lose their way and um, Abram's dad dies. And then God comes and speaks to him again. And off they go again on the journey to the promised land. Terry's checking something out there. Making notes, that's good. I thought I might have said something wrong. That's good to be accountable too. Yeah, no. Anyway, so then he gets back on task and then he heads into uh, and eventually gets to the land of Canaan or the land of promise where his world had now begun to enlarge. Remember, he was sent by God, just like you and I are. There's, there's some things that you can relate to or learn from this. So Abraham gets sent from God to represent him and some pretty outrageous promises are made. It says that you will be the father of many nations. Uh, it says, he said to Abraham, Abraham, look up at the stars. So your descendants will be, that's a lot of descendants. His impact, he hadn't yet had a, a child of his own. Anyway, he gets to the land of Canaan, and that's what I want to look at this morning. Um, the significance of number one, remember, he was sent, you are sent into all the world. Abram's mindset had to expand. And not only that, he had to make steps walking in that aspect of understanding he was sin. And it wasn't until he had left the land and gotten to the place God had called him, he was actually in the process of doing, the, doing what he was told to do, that God begins, begins to do something pretty amazing. And you see, for us and for you, you can maintain this aspect of theory that I'm sent, I'm sent into all the world. But friend, until you actually make that step, until you actually begin to walk into that place of being sent, you're not going to experience what you're meant to experience. It has to go from beyond theory. I love what Ken said. And I am hearing from lots of you, and you know that you guys are doing the sent thing and God is using you to reach people. But guess what? There's more. 
There's more. So let's read from Genesis chapter 13, 14 through to 17. Remember, Abram had left, gotten to the promised land, and uh, God then speaks to him. And the Lord said to uh, Genesis 13, 14 through to 17, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now. And look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, verse 15. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants. Think about it. All the land. Don't just look that way. Don't just look that way. Don't just look that way. Don't just look that way, but look from where you are because you are now in the center of where I need you to be. You're no longer sort of looking from a distance. You are right where I want you to be, Abram. Now's the time for you to now see some stuff that you need to see. And see, I believe for us as a church that we are right where he wants us to be. That we are living as a sent church, but God is wanting to expand the capacity of what we're meant to do, but we can't do it until we begin to see the possibilities that are around us. God was trying to get Abram now to see that now was the time to take what God had promised. Eastward, northward, westward, southward. Whatever you can see, I will give you. See, here's the thing about how big is your world. Because how big is your world will determine how far you will go as a sent person. You understand? How far you can see will determine or help you understand what God wants to give you. So the further you can see, the further your eyes can reach out and see something that God wants you to see, the greater the impact that you're going to have. Because you see, God will give you whatever you can see. But you can only see when you are in the center of where he wants you to be. And as we act as a sent church, and we've been acting as a sent church, that we are now in a position that God wants to stretch our wings further because there's more he wants to do. There's more he wants to give us, but our eyes must be able to see what he's talking about. You see, unless you see that you are a sent person, unless you see what God is wanting to show you, he'll never do it. You've got to see it. The human eye, super interesting. You are made in the image of God. Your physical shape and form in some way reflects the nature and character of God. And God has given you the ability to see. It is a God-given ability, which kind of reflects some of the nature and abilities of God. God has given you the ability to see for a reason. He doesn't want you to walk around like a blind person. He doesn't want you to trip over yourself. He wants you to see. And not only did he give you the eyes to see so you don't trip over, but he gave you the eyes to see what he wants to give you. Do you understand? God wants to give his people and his church Bigger and greater things across the planet because the world needs it. And he has given us a capacity to see. 
Now, here's the thing about the natural eye. The natural eye, based on the curvature of the earth, standing on a flat surface with your eyes about five feet off the ground, I'm a bit taller than that. I can see a bit further. But the taller you are, the further you can see. Terry can probably see a bit more than me. Uh, Who's a shorty that I can pick on? Karen, yeah, Karen's not here, but Karen's shorter than me. She can't see as far as me. So your eye, standing at five feet, can see approximately five kilometers. There's no obstruction. You can see five kilometers in front of you to the horizon. That's how far the human eye can see at the position of five feet off the ground. But when you look up, When the human eye looks up, something quite amazing is possible. The farthest object visible with the naked eye is in fact the galaxy Andromeda, located an astonishing 2.6 million light years away. So think about it. At five feet off the ground, just looking like that, you can only see 5Ks. But when you look up, you can actually see light years in front of you. That is amazing. The human eye can see all those millions of light years away, but if it looks down, it will never see it. But when it looks up, its capacity can be reached that it can see so far. Hallelujah. You see, the, the way you look determines how far you will see. It's amazing. It's amazing. Looking down limits what you will see. The further you look down, the less you're going to see. If you're just looking down at your feet, friend, you are only seeing, well, depending on how tall you are, not very far. But as you lift your eyes, your vision increases and increases. And when you lift it to the point where you look up, dude, you can really see. Now, here's the thing. The higher you are, the further you can see. The higher you are, the further you can see. You ever stood on a mountaintop? I have. I'm a New Zealander. We've got some mountains. You've got some mountains here in Victoria. If you stand on a mountaintop, your ability to see goes way further than the five clicks. So remember, looking down limits, looking up, increases incredibly, supernaturally, amazingly. It reaches the capacity of what the eye was designed to do. When you stand on a mountain, man, you can see a long way. Mountains are amazing things. I love the view of mountains. Often we will use the word breathtaking, amazing, fantastic, incredible when we look from a mountain, true? Because we are amazed at what the eye sees from the mountain. So the further up the mountain, the further you will see. Now, funny thing, we came to Yarrawonga probably around 11 years ago, pretty pretty ignorant of living in Victoria or living in this region of the northeast of Victoria, of this, you know, very flat land. And I remember early on, maybe we'd been here about six months and someone we were going to visit said, oh, I live at Chicken Hill. Chicken Hill. Wow, Chicken Hill. That belongs in the deep south of the US, I reckon. But anyway, he said, yeah, yeah. She said, yeah, 
just, um, you know, we're just, as you get to Chicken Hill, we're just sort of up there, and you, there's, a, there's a left turn. And you go to, you know, and you'll find us. And so we leave home, remember this picket, to go to Chicken Hill, not really knowing much about the land. And man, we just proceeded, and within about 15 minutes later, we were looking for Chicken Hill, and it never came. And then what happened was, um, we rang the people. Oh, no, no, you passed Chicken Hill. Chicken Hill turns out to be not a hill. I'm a Kiwi, mate. We have hills. Chicken Hill turned out to be a slight rise in the road. You know? So we were learning about the culture. In fact, the funny thing is, man, I can remember when we had lived here for a while and... um, I just needed to see a hill or a mountain. You know, I just had to go somewhere and we were headed up, you know, further uh, uh, that way and we found some hills and I was found some hills and I was feeling good. Not that living on the flat is bad. But it's a funny thing. You see, Chicken Hill was described as a hill because it was from in a land that is very flat. And sometimes your perspective is sort of determined by the environment you live in, that sometimes we can think we're looking, you know, quite a long way, but in fact, we're really only looking from Chicken Hill. You see, I believe God is speaking to the church and wants the church to look from the mountain. Because God wants the church to see things that he wants to do. And like Abram, he said, dude, look, 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 look what I want to give you. He's saying that to us. But we need to look from the mountain. The higher up you are, the further you will see. The more breathtaking the view. The more magnificent of what the world looks like. I love it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. This is the scripture that was in that song and part of that picker quoted this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly place, heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Quite interesting. A higher up. The further you'll see. The scripture tells me that I didn't lift myself up to this position, but God has lifted me up with Christ. You see, when Jesus rose, we rose. If you are a Christian, because he rose and because he's seated in heavenly places with God, you have been lifted up. But are you living in Chicken Hill? Nothing wrong with Chicken Hill. Sorry, Don and Les. But you know, in that spiritual sense, Because, friend, you're meant to be looking from the view of heaven. And you are meant to be seeing the view that God sees. I was thinking about this thing. You know, mountaintops are amazing views. But man, seated with God in heavenly realms, the view is breathtaking. The view is magnificent and incredible and amazing. You see, God is incredible and he wants you to understand and me. We are seated in a place way higher and we can see way further past our problems, past our difficulties, past the craziness of the age that we live in. But if you live down at Chicken Hill, you won't see it. Or if you live under your problems, you won't see it. 
You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You've got to start looking from the view of what that means and what is possible from that view. Hallelujah. See, vision, biblical vision, comes from seeing what God sees. Vision is seeing what has not yet come to pass that God wants you to see. God was saying to Abram, Abram, dude, you've got to see what I want to show you. You're in the center where I want you now, but you've got to look as far as you can because I'm going to give it all to you. God wants to give us the nations. It says it in the Bible. God wants to give us more souls. God wants us at Ignite to see more than we have ever seen. God has been reminding me of my imperfection of, and of my sitting up there and then getting knocked off and then telling me to get back up there. Uh, you're all good. You're all sitting up there. You're all not living at Chicken Hill, I'm sure. Chicken Hill, Chicken Hill, pick on Chicken Hill. It's a really nice place, Chicken Hill. It is, in the physical sense. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, written by the prophet Joel, heard it a hundred million times. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. We had a prophecy last week about a worship album. Someone saw from prophecy something that God wanted to give the church. Note, it comes from the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my spirit and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men, Terry, this is you. <laughs> your old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. I'm still in the young man thing, man. I'm seeing visions. See, friend, lift up your gaze. Get excited about the possibilities of the age we're living in. We ain't living trapped. You're living trapped because you're looking down. You're living trapped because you're looking from a view that you're not meant to be looking from. You're meant to be understanding you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. And God is giving vision and wants to give more vision to you because he wants to reach the world because it's being set as a harvest. All this stuff that's going on is really just getting the world ready for the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be excited. If you are, you know, I, I, I remember I was living in, a, I living in New Zealand. And I remember once when I went through this thing and I got put in hospital and there was all this bad news. And I was looking at life from my hospital bed. And friend, it was a low view. But I remember a brother coming and giving me a slap kind of thing and saying, dude, wake up. You're looking from the wrong place. You should be looking from faith. You should be looking from the seated with Christ in heavenly places. It changed my circumstances. It changed me from within when I started to realize, stop looking from down here and look from up here. Oh, I'll say it again, because God's telling me. I believe Ignite, God is calling us to disciple 10,000 people. 10,000 people. Wow, that's a big number. 
It's a big God. It's not about the number, it's about the souls. In fact, he's super challenging me. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, which I didn't give you, David, which it's a crime. I was going to and I forgot. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. How are we going for time? I didn't, it's all good. Speaking of God, talking of Abraham. I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. God is the God that calls things into existence that do not yet exist. That's what creation's all about. Vision is the ability to see what does not yet exist. Faith is the ability that we call it into existence. You see, you have been made like God. You have power like God in that sense. You are not God, but friend, we are called to call things into existence and you do it already whether you know it or not because you've got the power of life or death in your tongue and sometimes we use it real bad and we call into existence things that we shouldn't and we cause trouble upon ourselves because we say it and we bring bad. And we bring bad on people around us, but we have, flick it round to the positive side about the good news, we have the power to call into existence stuff. When it's talking about the 10,000 thing, I feel like God has been telling me, friend, you've got to put your eyes on it again. You've got to look from the seat, and then you've got to start calling. Hallelujah. Calling. See, an apostolic church is a church that keeps getting higher so the view keeps going further. The view goes further, the vision goes further and you increase in what you believe is possible. Abram did become the father of many nations. He is, you know, like I said, three, the, the three major world religions now call him the father of their faith because what God calls into existence comes to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Abram had to believe it. I want to finish with this. Are you feeling inspired this morning? Because I am. I wore my best jacket today because I feel inspired. And this is a scripture, again, that we have been to before. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 11 through to 13. Pekka gave this to me in about 2014, 15 when I was in Uganda. And I just kind of, yeah, that's nice, hon, and kind of left it. And then, you know, we've done some series on it. It's in the Message Bible. Dear, dear Corinthians, I cannot tell you how much I long for you to enter the wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small but you are living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Being sent isn't living narrow, 
Being sent isn't living kind of tucked away, scared of the world. Being sent is living in the space of where, friend, your view is so far because you are seated so high that it is an adventure of serving God. Hallelujah. Live like Paul said, the way you have been designed to live and called to live. Hallelujah. You may have never opened your life up to God. You may have never known what it is to say, God, I want to live my life for you. Well, he is simply a prayer away from you today. A simple prayer connects you with the God who wants you to live in the wide open spaces of what, what is possible. It is strongly connected to you letting go of your will, of you taking responsibility for all the mess around your life, which we call sin, and asking God to forgive you and making him the one who is in charge of your life. Simple prayer. In fact, we're going to pray a prayer like that right now. So follow me in that prayer. Heavenly Father, the God of Abraham, the God who calls things into existence, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for living a narrow life. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live life as someone being sent by you. Use my life for your kingdom, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.